talking from, so we'll turn to Hebrews 6, 1, 2, and 3. Somebody will read it out for us. Amen. Praise the Lord. Father, we are grateful to you for your word. We thank you for the instructions in God's word. We pray that we would align our research to your word. This morning as we speak, we pray that you will release grace, anointing in this place. As we break the bread of life, we pray that the life that is hidden in God's word will be released in our lives and your name will be glorified. Every critical spirit that riseth against the proclamation of God's word, we bind it in Jesus' name, and we take victory in the church said, Amen. Amen. Please be seated. So we've been talking about, from Hebrews chapter 6, 1, the title that we gave for our message was, Move On, Move On. God wants us to move on in our Christian life. We need to... We need to move from the elementary principles and move into the deeper things of God. But at the same time, as you read verse 3, the writer of Hebrews says that God, will, God willing, we will do it again. Meaning we will revisit those elementary principles. So, we are doing two things. One, we are taking words number one, six, one. And we are saying since God wants us to move on, we want to move on to maturity into the deeper things of God. So as we are seated under the word, some of you, it's time for us to move on. For some of us, it's a revisitation. It's a revising. It is reorientation. Remembering the elementary principles of, of God's word and familiarizing with it again. So some of the things that we hear, it might seem as it's a repetition, but as you sit under God's word, ask yourself, do you remember if someone were to ask you to explain the reason for the faith that you have, are you able to present it to them? Praise the Lord. So we talked about repentance and faith. We said it is the two sides of the same coin. Repentance from dead works, repentance from works that leads to death, repentance from everything that is ungodly and not pleasing to God, and putting our faith on the Lord Jesus and his word, which in fact imparts life into us. Praise God. We said the journey starts, this Christian journey starts, one, by repentance and by faith. Okay? And these two elements are absolutely important, not because they are the starters, but as life goes on, as we develop ourselves by God's grace, 
we need to employ these principles in our day to day life a healthy christian is one who employs this godly principles in their lives god wants everyone to be a healthy christian and so what do we do we evaluate our lives in the light of god's word and whenever there is a need we repent of anything that doesn't align with the will and the word of god and we keep our faith active faith can become dead faith can become inactive but we want to move from the saving faith we start with the saving faith but we want to keep our faith active praise the lord as life goes on as events unfold in our lives as we face new challenges and hurdles in our lives we want to trust god and his word and activate our faith in him praise god so we move to the next element that is written there instructions on baptism praise the lord the word instructions is a plural term baptisms instructions in baptism it's not singular but plural so we are used to hearing baptism over and over again in the church in fact we take the time not only to orient our kids we give them multiple classes from different ends and then finally before baptism we take a baptism class for the general audience also so we take pain and we put time and effort into this no matter what we do unless the hearers are willing to hear and adhere and store god's word in their lives praise god you and i can go astray from the teachings of god's word so we're going to go towards the instructions that are mentioned in god's word concerning baptism praise the lord it's interesting in the acts of the apostles there are different events that are recorded and i like to go to acts chapter 8 when you read from 35 to 38 the baptism of the eunuch the treasury or the finance minister from ethiopia has been recorded we understand from the background that context there philip because of the persecution in the church in jerusalem the people were scattered all over the place wherever they went they preached god's word Philip went to Samaria and he preached God's word and God confirmed his word with signs and wonders there was such a revival in Samaria that the bible says there was much joy in the city i want to tell you god that we serve is not anti joy or anti happy god wants us to be joyful praise god god wants us to be happy but we need to orient ourselves and define what happy
happiness and joy is from the biblical perspective so that when we are joyful, when we are happy, when we are in a festive mood, when we are celebrating, when we are excited, when we are exulting, praise God, glory will go to God. Praise God. So there is much joy there. But as this revival is going, as this man is hitting the peak of his ministry, he hears the voice of the Lord to, telling him, abandon and go to the wilderness. He does it and he encounters God, puts something together. He orchestrates an event in his life. Listen. How many of you believe that God is in the business of orchestrating events in your life? Praise God. We go through casual, we go through the routine of life and we tend to forget how God orchestrates events in your life. Events that can dramatically change your life. Events that can rewrite the story of your life. Events that can write the history of your life in a new light. God can put something beautiful together for you. How many of you remember when God orchestrated an event in your life that is memorable and that is etched in your heart? How many of you remember that? Can you remember an event where God orchestrated, not you orchestrated? You know, sometimes we orchestrate events because we want to do things our way. But I'm not talking about that. God wants us to be people who plan well. God is not anti-planner. God plans everything well. God is a meticulous planner. You have a doubt you look at the solar system. You have a doubt. You look at creation. You have doubt. You look at human body and the way that it functions. That's why the psalmist says in Psalm 139, he says, Oh God, you have so fearfully and wonderfully created me. Praise God. So God is a meticulous planner. God orchestrates events in our life that the purpose of God and the design of God concerning our lives are assured in, in a timely manner. What Satan likes to do is he likes to derail the purpose of God. What he wants to do is he wants to make sure that you take the detour away from what God wants to do in your life. But God orchestrates things that are beautiful in our lives. At times, we can't understand and comprehend. That's why the writer of Proverbs says, Trust in the Lord with all of thine heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. Do you remember the memorable event that God orchestrated in your life? Anyone? What would that be? Huh? Do you remember the memorable event when God, God 
led you to meet someone that was meaningful in your life? Anybody? Can I have a witness? Anybody? And who would that be? Who would that be? Praise God. Brother Worky, do you know the relationship between Sister Edwish and Brother Worky? Brother Worky was, it was instrumental in bringing her to the Lord. She met him somewhere where he had shared the gospel. And boom, one day she walked into this church and guess found out what? Brother Worky goes to the same church. So what's the big deal with that? Everything. Because she met Jesus. The key thing here is not that she met Brother Worky, but Brother Worky was instrumental in bringing Jesus to her life. Her life was changed. She received the Lord. She obeyed the Lord in water baptism. And one day, as they were praying over the phone, the Lord baptized her with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Wow! Praise God! Amen! We all have such experience, don't we? Amen. Praise God. Remember those days? Well, God took the first step. I love it. Praise God. We think that we did it. No, 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 no. We didn't. We think we did it, but God took that first step. Praise God. God told Philip, get up, get up, get up, get up, get up. Go to the wilderness. Praise God. Walk with that chariot. As he walked with the chariot, he overheard the prophet's writing being read out. And the man just asked the question, do you understand what you're reading? Praise God. And the Bible says, the next thing you know, that Philip is on board. And the Bible says, Philip opened his mouth and preached the good news of Jesus. That's all it's written. And the next thing the Bible says is that eunuch stops and says, here is water. What stops you from baptizing me? Why do I bring it? I bring that simply to say wherever the gospel is preached, praise God, we talk about baptism because baptism is integral part of the preaching of God's word. Okay, so we come. The Bible says instructions on baptism. There are different kinds of baptisms recorded in the Bible. And so we want to just get an overview this morning about the different kinds of baptism that the Bible talks about. There are more than seven different kinds of baptism recorded in the Bible, but we will touch seven of them and we will ask ourselves which of it is applicable to us today. So we're going to start with the first one. The first one being baptism unto repentance. We all know John the Baptist who was commissioned by God, is sent by God to come and baptize. He was the one who said, repent for the kingdom of God is hand. As he said, hand, baptism unto 
repentance we already looked what repentance is repentance is turning away from and turning to so we said repentance is if you were going left you go right if you're going down you go up basically what repentance is you turn away from sin and you turn to god you turn away from world and you turn towards the word praise god you turn away from unrighteousness and turn towards righteousness that's what repentance is praise the lord so john the baptist he preached about the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins praise god and you need very interesting when you read the record of john as it is recorded john baptized and he demanded that people should do what they should produce or bring forth fruit worthy of repentance in other words you cannot just simply say it with your mouth i repent too but he said back it up with action turn to your neighbor and tell your neighbor back it up back it up back it up with what back it up with action john demanded it he says you know people asked him what should we do he was very clear there was no ambiguity there he was not afraid that people would not follow him but he made it very clear and check this out he this is what the fruit of repentance the list that is given in Luke chapter 3 verse 8 to 14 this is a list the fruit required benevolence you didn't realize that benevolence was a fruit of repentance did you benevolence kindness love generosity honesty justice faithfulness meekness quietness temperance contentment Wow isn't that a striking striking resemblance to the fruit of the spirit that is mentioned in Galatians 5:22 And here we are we feel that all we need to do is just say that I repent and that's good enough No Bible expects us the word of God expects us to back up back it up with action action in what realm action in every realms of our lives so the first baptism we see that is recorded in the new testament is the baptism of repentance unto the remission of sin the next baptism we see is the baptism of jesus baptism of jesus is very unique in itself because Jesus was perfect when John the Baptist saw Jesus coming he was the one who identified him said behold the lamb of god which takes away the sin of the world Jesus comes to be baptized by him so in as he comes John says no way i'm going to do it cuz i'm not worthy to do what untie your shoelaces jesus said suffer it or allow so that all righteousness will be fulfilled praise god what righteousness jesus stood there as what as the son of man praise god 
rendition of an artist, the baptism of Jesus by John the Baptist. Praise God. He stood before him as a son of man. And what Christ did was he said, I am willing to fulfill all righteousness, meaning all right requirements. I am willing to do it even if I am. I don't have to do it. Praise God. Jesus submitted himself to the counsel of God. And thereby, he became a role model for all of his followers. Praise the Lord. No excuse to anyone who wants to debate by saying that you are exempt from being baptized. You know, one of the reasons that Jesus got baptized, for many reasons, we'll touch some of them a little later, is John says that so that he may reveal himself to Israel. In other words, to reveal who he is, to expose himself. Praise God. In baptism, that is what takes place. We reveal to the world that we believe in him and that we are the followers of Jesus and that he is the Lord of our life, that we acknowledge the lordship of Jesus upon our lives, that we say that I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Praise God. In other words, you can't go undercover. How many of you guys like to be undercover? How many of you like to be undercover? Huh? There are many undercover operators. Or undercover operators, you know? People who work in, in the intelligence unit for the government. There are many such people who are undercover. In other words, nobody really knows who they are. Do you know, in Christendom also, there are a lot of undercover Christians. Are you one of them? I know, when we come to, to church, we are not undercover because everybody knows. You know, it's like the undercover operator, the, the FBI agent or the CIA guy. You know, when they go to their office, everybody knows who they are. When they go out into the world, nobody knows. The bum, the bum looking guy on the street might be an undercover operator and you would not even know about it. Okay? So sometimes when we come to our base, this is our base. We come to our base, we all know each other. Man, I'm up here preaching. Some of you guys are up here singing. Some of you guys are so actively involved in church. But the question is when we step out of the church, do we go undercover? Nobody knows who we are. Uh -oh, man, undercover agent for the kingdom of God. Man, can you believe if Christ would have such a position open for us? I think the whole church would have gone undercover. I'm glad you guys, none of you guys are undercover. That's good. Praise God. No, in baptism, you reveal yourself, you expose yourself and say, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. Praise the Lord. The next baptism that we see recorded in the Bible is baptism of the era of Jesus. What does that mean? Well, Jesus comes to the scene at the age of 30. 
Jesus got baptized at the age of 30. And then for three and a half years, Jesus ministered. And during the three and a half years of the ministry, there were baptism going on. Who said it? It's in the scripture. John chapter 3, John chapter 4. So there were baptism going on after Jesus got baptized. John chapter 3, we see that, you know, John chapter 3 verse 22 and 26. Somebody read it. Quick. Make it quick. John is after Luke and before Acts. Okay, who is he talking about? Okay, where's 26? 26. Also read 22. Read 22 and 26, both. Hmm. Hmm. There he tarried with them and who is he talking about? Come on, church. Who? Wow. Some of you have no clue what we're talking about. Some of you, hmm, we got them. When we read three latter part, we see that Jesus baptized. When we read John chapter 4, verse 1, we see that Jesus did not baptize anyone. Both of them are right. How can it be both right? Three latter parts says that he, Jesus, baptized in Judea. Four, one says that Jesus did not baptize. So which one is right? Which one is right, church? Both of them are right. We look at 4.1 and we drive, come to conclusion that Jesus did not baptize anybody. But three latter parts says that Jesus did baptize. So what is chapter 4 verse 1? 4.1 says the Pharisees, it's talking about what the Pharisees heard. The, that particular baptism that the Pharisees heard. Jesus did not baptize anyone there. Now you got to listen to this carefully. Otherwise you're going to walk out of this place and say that wrong doctrine was preached. Anytime you have a doubt, you listen to the whole thing. If you don't listen to the whole thing, if you jump up as soon as you hear something, what happens is it, it, it puts a wrong message into your mind. So the chapter 3 latter part says that Jesus baptized and chapter 4 1 says Jesus did not baptize where Jesus did not baptize it's talking about the place where Pharisees heard that he was baptizing more people than John the Baptist did that's what it says well what are we driving at we are talking about the baptism at the era of Jesus praise the Lord when we get baptized, we identify ourselves with the death, 
burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Praise God. The baptism of John was baptism unto repentance unto the remission of sin. Praise the Lord. There was a time, an era, where the three and a half years, there were baptisms taking place during the ministry of Jesus. Praise the Lord. If you have any doubts about this, you can come and ask me after the service. The next one is, of course, the believer's baptism, Mark chapter 16, verse 16. We will, we will visit that a little later. The next one the Bible talks about is the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. Praise God. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is administered by Jesus himself. Praise the Lord. The next baptism that the Bible talks about is the baptism of suffering. The Bible talks about the baptism of suffering which the martyrs or those who gave up their life martyred unto death. Those who gave up their life for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Baptism of suffering. Praise the Lord. The next one is more controversial than the one that we said before. This is going to tickle some of you to pay attention to what we are talking about. This is the baptism for the dead. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 29. Apostle Paul talks about it where he is talking using an argument to refute those who are refuting the effects of resurrection. Mind you, the Bible does not advocate baptism for dead. The Bible does not, I repeat, the Bible does not advocate baptism for those who are dead. The Bible does not advocate proxy baptism. In other words, you get baptized for someone who died before you know the Bible does not advocate. But people take these words and they misinterpret these words and they say, tell people that you can have a proxy baptism. The Bible does not teach proxy baptism. Why do I say this? Is because there are churches out there who teach about proxy baptism based on the words 1 Corinthians 1529. So if you hear someone say about proxy baptism, the Bible does not teach proxy baptism. The Bible teaches believers baptism. Okay? We will move into that realm. So there are out of the seven baptisms that the Bible talks about, which one is applicable to us, to the New Testament church? Is the first one applicable? No. Baptism unto repentance. Our baptism is not unto repentance, but we repent and we get baptized. Number two, baptism of Jesus. That was a unique baptism that was exclusively only for Jesus. Baptism of the era of Jesus. Well, we don't live in that era, so it's not, it's not applicable for us. Believers' baptism, is it applicable to us? Yes, very much so. Baptism of the Holy Spirit, is it applicable to us? Yes, very much so. Baptism of suffering, is it applicable to everyone in the church? 
not everyone in the church, but there might be somebody in the church whom God has called to lay down their life for the sake of the gospel of Jesus. It is applicable only for them. Baptism for the dead, is it applicable? No, it doesn't. It is not applicable to anyone. It's a wrong doctrine. It is, the Bible does not advocate proxy baptism. Okay, so this part is very clear. So shall we move forward with what is real baptism? What is baptism? Well, some of you guys who are already baptized, can you give me one answer as to what is baptism? Anybody? Huh? Join to Christ. Thank you. Thank you, Sonny Chan. That's a very good answer. Baptism is joining to Christ. You are not, when you take baptize, baptism, you are not joining an organization or any particular church. You are baptized what? You are joining yourself to Christ. Anybody else? What, some, what did somebody mumble? Somebody did mumble. Alright, let's move on. Okay. Baptism is what? An ordinance of the church instituted by Christ and his apostles which symbolizes burial and death, burial and resurrection. Okay? So that's what baptism symbolizes. The word baptism simply means to dip, immerse into the water. Baptism is an outward expression of an inward change. What has happened on the inside, it shows on the outside. That's what baptism is. It's a physical rite, R-I-T-E, with a spiritual reality. Don't look at it as simply a ritual or a religious ceremony. It's more than that. It is what? It is our testimony of what? Of our death, burial, and resurrection with the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. As it is recorded in Romans chapter 6, verse 3 to 6, we are dead to sin and alive to Jesus Christ. The word says, For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. Praise the Lord. Death to sin. Praise God. We identify ourselves with the death of Jesus. We, bury, we are buried with him and we are resurrected with him to live a new life. Death to sin means what? What does that mean, death to sin? How many of you have seen a dead person? Anybody has seen a dead person? Nobody has seen a dead person. So what does it, what is one of the characteristics of a person who's dead? Huh? No movement. What else? Huh? No life. No movement, no life. Okay. All right. When there's no life, there's no movement. Okay. What else? No pulse, no breathing. Still, no response. 
So dead to sin means you are not responding to That's what it means. Now, imagine this. I think I used this analogy here before, but since you keep forgetting it, I can use the same analogy. One of the senior pastors that we were talking about, we were talking to myself and Brother Finney Joshua, we were talking to one of the senior pastors, and he was telling us, telling us that you got to keep repeating some messages over and over and over again. He says, people forget this. So somebody came up to me and asked me, oh, Pastor, how come somebody doesn't know about baptism? Well, I respectfully looked at him and asked him, do you? We forget. So it's sometimes it's good to reorient ourselves. So when we hear something like this, don't just put it away. Even if you know, use it to store it in your heart. You might be able to minister to someone. Okay, dead to sin. That means you're not responding to sin. That's all it means. We are dead to sin and alive to Christ. What does that mean? Huh? Dead to sin, alive to Christ. So if you're dead to sin, you're saying that you do not respond to sin. Alive to Christ means what? What does that mean? If you are dead to sin, that means you are not responding to sin. Jaden, what does that mean? Alive to Christ means. Yes, that's it. That's all. You are completely turned off to what? To sin. And you are completely turned on to Jesus. How many of you guys get turned on with Jesus? How many of you get excited when you hear about Jesus? Praise the Lord. How many of you are in love with Jesus? How many of you are in madly in love with Jesus? Does your spouse ever hear you say, I love you, Jesus? Hello? Does your spouse ever hear you say, I love Jesus? I love you, Jesus? If you're ever going to say that, make sure that you only say that about Jesus. Otherwise, you're going to be in big trouble. My wife always hear me say, I love you, Jesus. I say that when I'm sleeping. I say that when I wake, wake up. That's your, you and I are in love with Jesus. And love is what? Love ought to be what? Expressed. Tell your neighbor, express your love. Praise the Lord. Make sure that you are in love with the right person. The lover of your, of your soul. Jesus. Praise God. Imagine a person is dead. What's an alcoholic? Alcoholic is a person who is addicted to alcohol. Okay? Every time he would smell the booze or see a bottle, he wants to grab it. But now he's dead. Okay. So you are the best friend of this person. Listen, guys, I had friends who were alcoholic. I had a neighbor who was an alcoholic. But the friend that I had alcoholic, God helped me to lead him to Christ. 
is very much sober for the Lord now. He's actively involved in ministry. And how God delivered him is amazing. Praise God. And what alcohol can do to people is very sad. I saw his life being destroyed slowly and steadily. But God intervened. When he gave his life to Jesus, there was a day and night difference in this man that people could not even recognize him. He was just changed, totally transformed. Okay? So for an alcoholic, a bottle, a smell, a little smell, it just, it just turns them on. But suppose the alcoholic is dead and you are the best friend. As you see, come to the funeral parlor, you bring a bottle of his favorite stuff. And the guy doesn't budge. You pop open the cork. The guy doesn't budge. You pour that thing in a small glass. What do you guys call that? A peg? A shot. Shot glass. All right. No, he's not budging. Finally, you take the shot glass and you bring it to his nose. What happens? What happens? Nothing happens. Why? Is dead. That's what it means to be dead to sin. Praise God. Dead to sin means that it has no charm over you. It doesn't attract you. It doesn't grab your attention. There is no affection towards it. It has no power over you. Wow. So in baptism, we are saying that we are dead to sin and we are alive in and to Jesus Christ. So you take a dip and you come back. It's a picture that you are dead to sin. You are buried with Christ and you are resurrected with Jesus to walk in the newness of life. God wants us to turn a new leaf in our life. That's why the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, if any man is in Christ Jesus, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Turn to your neighbor and say, everything is new. Praise the Lord. You can ask your neighbor, you thought that it was only my dress that was new? No, I'm a new person. Tell your neighbor, I'm a new person. Now you look at your neighbor and ask your neighbor, how come I don't see anything new about you? When you have something new, it attracts people, right? Praise the Lord. Yes. God wants us to walk in the newness of life. Life with Jesus is an exciting life, guys. Hello? Life with Jesus is an exciting life. You walk in the newness of life. You have a new life. You have a new song. Hello? We have a new song in our mouth. Praise be unto our God. Everything is new because 
God changes us from the inside out. Praise God. So what is baptism? Baptism means you are dead to sin and alive to Jesus Christ. This week as you walk out of this place, remember that we are death to sin. That does not mean that you and I will not be tempted. We will be tempted. When we are tempted, God has made provision for us to overcome temptation. How is that happening? Well, you have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. You have the Word of God. Praise God. Holy Spirit on the inside. Word of God on your hand. Jesus up in the heaven. How mediating for you and for me by the power of the Holy Spirit, you're able to overcome. Praise God. What if you falter, slip, and fall? Well, the Bible says, Praise God. First John chapter verse, chapter 1, verse 9 onwards. Praise God. My son, my children, I write to you that you do not sin, but if you do, we have an advocate with the Father who speaks on our behalf. Wow. Do you know that you and I have edge over the Old Testament saints? What is that edge? The edge is you and I have advantage over the Old Testament saints. You have more edge than the most holiest person who lived in the Old Testament. Who was the most holiest person that lived in the Old Testament? Guys, anybody, one of the guys, who's the oldest, huh, Enoch, very good, you and I have edge over Enoch, why, because we have what, we have the Holy Spirit indwelling in us, that empowers us, that gives us the counsel, that leads us in the path of righteousness. Praise God. We're going to conclude here. We're going to, God willing, we will, we will continue. We just want to bring ourselves to God's word and realize that we, when we took baptism, we said that we are dead to sin and we are alive in